Broadcasting from Oklahoma, the tornado capital of the world, home of the Oklahoma City Thunder and the University of Oklahoma Sooners, this is the Curated Experience Show, a weekly podcast about the customer experience with viewpoints you will not hear anywhere else. And now your host, author, and customer experience expert, Amos Tanuma. Welcome to the Curated Experience. I am your host, Amos Tanuma. I've got a guest for you today. I've got my good friend and customer experience, contact center, customer service expert, Bob Furness. Bob, are you still with me? I'm still here. Hey, Amos. Hey, everybody. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm thrilled we are. I'm thrilled we are doing this. So, for for background, uh, Bob's a dear friend of mine. He's he's like family. Has been he's been played many roles in my life. A mentor, a friend, on and on. And we happen to be in the same industry. And I've learned plenty from this guy. And um, I'm I'm happy to uh, bring Bob into this audience. And some of you uh, may have already run across his stuff on 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 social media. So 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 really quickly, Bob. Give us a little bit about um, your background, just a quick 30 seconds of your, what is it, 60-year background now doing this? 60 years. That's good. That's good. That, that's funny stuff. Uh, so first of all, I was about to say everything you just said in reverse is actually true, but I'll, I'll not say that now. And uh, no, it has, been, it has been almost 40 years since I started out as an online rep. Um, and back then it, it was called a phone room and it wasn't a call center. And so I, I have been around for a long time the, the value of that, or hopefully the value of that is, uh, especially in the last 20 years as a consultant, yep. is I've had the opportunity to, to step in to a lot of different organizations, yep. see a lot of things that work really well. And I've also seen a lot of things that didn't work very well. And so that, that's my, you know, I tell people I've, I can tell you where, where you don't want to step in the holes, <laughs> right? Uh, right, right. Because you you don't want to make that decision, or hey, this might help you in a in a way. I, I will tell you that my focus or are, are, are my the place that I love to talk about is right. about the agent and the supervisor, mm, like that yep. front line place, because I think they're some of the toughest jobs in the industry. So so let me. We didn't we didn't plan this, but let me let me let me let me start there. So. There's um there's an episode we did. It's titled um, "Customer Service is Harder Than Rocket Science." It's one of our our more popular ones. Um, and so let me set the premise up for you. Would love to get your perspective. So the premise simply says that um so we always compare things to rocket science because rocket science is so hard and rocket scientists are the smartest people. Blah blah blah. Uh, until someone told me that. There's actually a formula that can predict getting a rocket into space, right? Not saying it's not hard, right? But if you get all of those things right, the uh, rocket goes into space. But that there isn't one when you get to human beings, particularly strangers, on a phone call, on a chat, or an email. So I'll ask you this. Um, why haven't we figured that out yet? Like, why does it feel like customer service is so hard right like why like why why isn't there like why isn't there a formula for it dude x y and z and voila um your agents and your customers will make sweet 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 music together 
I think it really comes down to to perhaps what you were talking about. I don't, I don't know if you've seen the movie Hidden Figures, but there was math there was math that that allowed that rocket to return from the moon, and um, and they did a lot of it by hand. Right. It, it, they were actually called computers. That was how we got the name computers. Was that was the position of the person who did those calculations. But what's what made that so hard was if you were off by five percent, the the rocket missed the missed the Earth on the way back. Right. Right. In other words, so so perhaps it's the same thing with customer service. Right. Uh, because it is such a human, emo- it, it's filled with human emotions. Uh, if I'm off by five percent, things can go bad really fast. And so it it does fit into that. It's the mathematics of it, perhaps. I don't I don't know that I've ever thought about that before, but um, you know you do have to do some things, some basics correct, right? But you also have to be able to adapt to the situation. Uh, when you talk to me as a cu- as a customer, um, I, I already know that you understand how I feel, right? So so. So telling me you understand how I feel, but you're not going to fix my problem doesn't make me, doesn't make me any happier. Right, right. makes me a little uh, more ha- angry. A little angry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. It sort of gets under my skin a little bit when you tell me that the third time. So, so there, there's an example of where you were on track with what you were t- learned in training, or what you were taught in training, or maybe what you're teaching in training. <coughs> Excuse me. No, that was bad for the um, for the podcast, um, but. But you are. But even though you're training the right things and even though you're explaining the right things. The factor of being off by a little bit. So it's a hard job. Yeah, it's full, it's filled with with emotions it, there. It, it you know, we, we talk a little bit. I know at some point we'll talk about AI, but we talk about chatbots. We talk about how technology and we, we said that IVRs were going to do, you know, we said all this stuff that technology was going to do. And in reality, it still comes down to, hey, I've got a problem and I need you to, to help me, not help my problem, but help me fix this problem. Yeah. It, 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 exactly. And, and lean in there a little bit. So, you know, one of the conversations you and I have had over the years is that, in fact, when you do technology right, um, at times it makes that agent's job even more complex, right? Because you're automating whatever word you want to use, all the what is my due date, right? So that in essence, what's actually is left makes elevates, you can view that as an opportunity or a bad thing, right? Like even makes that agent job even more difficult talk about that sort of inverse relationship between ironically the better you are there frankly you might make that role even more complicated right absolutely like i've got an hp printer over here right and if i can't get it something on it to work correctly um i'm definitely not going to pick up the phone and talk to hp first i'm (laughs) going to go to google i'm going to go to google and try to fix it Right. And in some cases, I'm going to go to Google and I'm going to go to a site that that's not owned by HP. Right. But it's somebody in his in his uh, in his office telling me how to he fix the problem. So so by the time I get to to that agent, I'm on step nine (laughs) of a 15 step process. Right. And so when you tell me to please turn this printer off and on, (laughs) 
back to being a little bit angry about the whole situation. I'm like, I, I've done step one, three, six, pick me up where I am. And, and so I just told you the seven things that I did. So, so that's, that's the reality of the agent that the agent has to be prepared to, to enter where the conversation is. And then now with all the technology and all of the channels, I, I might talk to somebody on Twitter this morning. I might text with somebody this afternoon. I might email with somebody uh, just before I got on the phone call with you. And what I sort of expect is you're going to pick up that conversation. So from an agent perspective, like you're talking about, right? Uh, you know, IVRs, if, if you think about a bank, can you imagine uh, – well, first of all, you would do it online today. But if you have a balance question – Back 10, 15 years ago, you would go to the IVR. It would know who you were and you right. would ask what my last transaction was. So so we scraped those out of the contact center. And then the Internet changed everything. And we've scraped another sort of level zero out of the contact center. Right. So so when you're hiring, it, it, you got to change your perspective. And in some cases, you're hiring a level two rep or, right. you know, zero and one is gone. <laughs> right. And so. And so now I've got to figure out not only how to hire a level two rep, but I've got to figure out how to train that rep to understand and know what's happening at zero and at one so that they come into the organ in, into the conversation prepared to, to meet the customer where they are. Right, where they are. And, and while technology has made that easier for – it may have shaved off some time and it may have made things easier – for the contact center leaders, or it may have saved some cost. It's made the position of the agent much more complex than it was, which is the onus back on us as contact center leaders. I've got to recruit to that new level. I've got to hire to that new level. I've got to onboard, onboard and train to that new level. And, and that is a, is a significant shift that doesn't stop today. Six months from now, you're going to have technology that's going to make it even worse or better depending on which perspective you're at you know it, it's 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 so interesting you said that i i was listening to a podcast um last week and i think it was seth gooden who said that um he was he was critiquing our school system and what he said was he he talked about where we came from where you were teaching people to follow rules take a test pass because all you need to do to be successful is to be obedient, right? To follow instructions and know that well. And then he argued that we can't out-obedience the competition. And by competition, if you think about our world, it's AI, it's IVR, it's cheaper labor in the Philippines or wherever. But that what we should be training our kids, employees, etc., to do is get better at solving complex problems, right? Which I've sort of dubbed be smarter than Watson, which on the surface sounds insane. But 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 again, people who follow instructions, even AI today, is still all about following logical things. How can you bring emotion bring all of those things to bear and solve really complicated problems? Because all the easy ones are leaving, right? They're they're going in some way. So I think what you just said, coupled with that, really, really is beginning to click about what what the needs for the future in terms of hiring is. So, but let's not let's not go down hiring for today. We need to <laughs> we need to, we need to have that conversation. So, 
If you're just joining, um, you're listening to The Curated Experience. I've got Bob Furness on. Bob is a consultant, a speaker in the customer service contact center space. He's been doing this uh, for about 40 years, and we are glad to have him on. So, so, so Bob, you and I, uh, we've worked together. We've done projects together. We've spoken together. We, we've done all of that. And one question you get all of the time and I get all of the time that I would love for you to um, answer is every client comes to me um, once you're a consultant and says, Amos, what are the best practices? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like, I'm sure you get it daily almost. Best practices, the- best practices and benchmarks. Benchmarks. That's what everyone wants. Yeah, right? like, hey, Bob, how should, like, how should we be doing this? So, what what do you say to these people? Like, like you get it all of the time. What do you say? Well, I think I think that there's some benchmarks out there. I think there's some best practices out there. I think organizations like ICMI and and others do a good job of explaining the metrics and the the things that you should be measuring. Right. And 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 most importantly about that is not what you should measure. But what are you going to do about it when it's when it's not where it should be? So if I if I set the bar, if I say that I want an 80, 20 service level, it, it's not about just measuring it. It's about, well, what happens when it gets to 10 percent? Uh, what, what if it's an 80? What, what if you're at 80, at 90, 20? So what does that mean in your organization? Probably means you're overstaffed. And and what does it mean if you get to seventy thirty? Right. Uh, what does that mean? Right. So so I think that when people say benchmarks, they they could mean a, a multitude of things. They're saying what should in some ways they're saying what should we measure? Right. But then they're wanting to compare themselves because they want to be able to walk into a boardroom or into a meeting and say, hey, we're at eighty five percent, and and the norm for our industry is seventy percent. And so there's some stats out there uh, that you may find around utilities or communications or energy or, you know, within the verticals. But but the reality is, is pretty quickly I can I, you tell me that I pretty quickly can change your mind about whether that's real or not, because the first thing is, what are you measuring and how are you measuring it? And so um, if you're saying your case resolution time average case resolution time is is four minutes, then, well, what about, so tell me about the kind of cases that you're including in that. Well, those are the ones that, that are solvable on the first call. Okay, well, that's not what we really were talking about. We were talking about case resolution time. So what do you do with all the ones that you can't solve on the first call? Oh, well, they go in another bucket. Okay, well, now we have a different benchmark than we had before because my numbers don't match up because the way I'm measuring doesn't match up. So, so when you ask, what do you tell customers? I, I think your customers are your benchmark, uh, whether or not your customers are, are, are satisfied. And I think that's the path that you've seen most organizations move to with MPS scores and with CUSSAT scores, with effort scores, how much effort does it take to, to get an answer? with first call resolution scores um, so that you're focused more on your customers 
and their expectations. Now, that, that doesn't mean that, hey, you and I have talked a lot about uh, I'm, you're only as good as you're only you as a company. If I'm calling into your company, Amos, your level of service is only as good as the best experience that I received this week from another company. Doesn't matter if it's your competitor or not. I'm comparing your digital experience to Air, to Amazon. I'm ex, I'm comparing your phone experience to American Express, right? So that those things exist. So it doesn't mean that you can't just discount all benchmarks or measurement. But what you need to do is to find out what's the right one for you. Measure that, compare it to your NPS scores. And then make a decision on whether you're meeting the expectations of your customers. Did I lose you? Can you hear me? Uh, I lost you there for a moment. Hey, Amos. Yeah, no, there? no. I, I, I was, I was, I was tracking with you. I think my, um, my headset may have been, may have been on, on mute, but. Uh, <laughs> The technology, right? So that's the part that gets tough, right? As a as a consultant, right? So what they want from you, I suspect, is tell me that the benchmark is fifty, and you sort of walk them through this. So so with that in mind, I'm curious about how do you think about the world where those expectations are changing, right? That external factors, Amazon, et cetera, Uber is moving that goalpost on a daily basis. So if I am a service leader, like what should I be focused on as opposed to this obsession with with um, what this number is? So like if I'm looking at my customers and they're constantly kind of moving, how do I how do I stay in front of this thing, right? Like how do I Future proof is 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 another word, right? That allows me to at least be not get to a place where I'm going. Oh yeah, customers are happy. They were happy today until tomorrow. They see this other thing that somebody else unrelated to you is doing, and they're going, "Oh, I want that now." <laughs> right? It's like, like how do I so, how do I do that? So, so so perhaps perhaps I'm a little I'm wired a little differently than some people, but it's interesting to me. If if we have if we have responses or comments or scorings of this work of this uh, podcast this afternoon, if ninety five percent of the people tell me or you tell us that we did a really great job, right? And there's one person, five percent of the audience says you did horrible, you weren't funny, you weren't engaging, whatever it is. That one stays with me a whole lot longer than the positive. In fact, I spoke recently at a conference and, and it was obvious that one person by the comments in the comment sections, there must have been 160 reviews right. and somebody didn't like me. He woke, <laughs> he or she woke up on the wrong side of the bed. They, they just didn't care for my humor. I was not funny, whatever those reasons are. So, right. so what that really does is, is, is part of what I was going to say here, if my goal is 85 or, or my goal is 90 for a particular uh, metric and I hit 85%, I, I can look at that a couple of different ways. I can go, hey, we're doing 85%. We're pretty good. Right. We're doing a pretty good job. We're almost there. 
We just need to move the bar a little bit. Or I can, or and I should, look at the 15% and say, what are those 15% of, 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 of those people saying? So I've, I've got to, first of all, be able to get to the data. I've got to, I got to be able to get to the information. I've got to be able to tie uh, the bad score with the comments that meet those bad scores. So what are they unhappy about? Are they unhappy about uh, the quality or, or the empathy that's being shown? Right. Are they unhappy because technology makes the, the interaction hard? Are they unhappy because the product is the problem? So how am I, how am I going to explain that? I mean, we in customer service, we, if, I, if I take all the reasons that a customer can be unhappy calling into a, a typical contact center – I may own only 50% of that. Right. 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 But but my score is 50%. I got 100% on my stuff, <laughs> but 50% on the other. I'm still not happy. I, that that's not what that's not the reason why we're in customer service. So I think you have to focus on the negative to understand how to move them to the positive and and that's that's the only way to to really understand where the needle needs to change. When we did customer experience work at um, at a couple of universities, that so we went in and we talked to students, we talked to faculty, and and I was there on behalf of the technology world, the CIO, and uh, what was happening was students were complaining about technology, staff and faculty were complaining about technology, and the reality was the expectation was though was they just don't know how to use it or they they don't understand what's available. And so as a consultant, my role was to go in and talk with them. Right. What was interesting is the things that that you would have expected to be the problem was not the problem. Mm. The one student who, who gave the student who gave really low scores, it all boiled down to what he really wanted was he wanted somebody to watch uh UK, what is it called? Premier League soccer games. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was homesick. He was homesick, and he, he, he didn't have any friends that cared anything about soccer. So everything about his experience at that university was was a negative. But but then when you got past that, what you found is he's struggling with uh, knowing what classes to take. And so that's just an example of you got to get to the details and be able to to analyze what you're hearing from the voice of the customer, not just what the score is from the voice of the customer. Yeah, not easy. Not easy. Well, right? not only is it not easy, right? There's a whole organizational change that we won't get into here that sort of says that you know being able to influence your culture so that the focus is on getting better and those qualitative responses versus um, we want to put a 90 on the board, right? Like almost a who cares where the starting point is? Do we have data to help us get better? And that's easier said than done um, because there are organizations that it just becomes this game to get this number to a certain place as opposed to focusing on, you know, here's where I am and here's where I'm where I'm trying to get to. So that's 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 what makes that tough. But 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 I hear you. I mean, like that's really where it is. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, AI uh, and not from a 
a technology perspective. In fact, most of our audience are not um, technologists, but it's unavoidable to hear AI and AI and, and, and all of that. So if I am a, I'm a director of a contact center, I run customer service, you know, in person, virtually, what have you, you know, how do I, how do I think about this? I've tended to tell cus- customers, particularly those who are not nerding out about the technology to, to not even focus about it. How do you, how do you handle that question when, uh, I, I know that, you know, you can go deep into technology, but like when the person in front of you, I'm just a guy who is trying to make sure all my contacts are answered and, and this, and then I keep hearing this AI stuff. Should I not worry? Like what, how, how would you, how would you tell someone to just think about this whole AI that folks like me, frankly, keep hyping, hyping on, on, on social media? I think I think you asked two questions, and let me ask let me answer the first one first, which is uh, how, how do I if I'm if I'm a frontline leader or I'm a director how, how do what do I worry about? I think you have to spend some time understanding what should be on your radar screen and what should be on your your manager's radar screen. So if you're a supervisor, you should have a radar screen that that's focused on people, that's focused on coaching, that's focused on um, the people that report to you and and how can you support them and make them successful because they are the link to the customer who you're trying to make better. I saw a great quote this past weekend that said, uh, your customers will only be happy when your employees are. Mm. So uh, just a simplistic analysis of what that looks like. And and in the contact center space, at least, I've got 15 to 25 people reporting to me as a supervisor. And if if I'm not spending the majority of my day supporting them, then uh, then we're we're not going to be in sync with the customer. So now the supervisor should also have on their radar um, their managers or their directors what's on their radar because what's important to them if it's if it's uh new technology if it's reporting if it's uh the the quality scores whatever that is i need to understand that but that director should also have those two things on his should have his radar and then his his vp's radar and so it it's it's about we can we can do a whole session about time planning and goals and importance but I just want to answer that first, that those are the things you have to be important that have to be important to you. Yep. But you're right. If you if you log online or you open up a newsletter or you go to a conference or talk to you on the podcast it, wherever you go, there's this. This change uh, that 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 we keep talking about that's going to happen and it's going to be A.I. and how A.I. is going to make such a difference in the world. Um First of all, first of all, it is going to make a difference. Okay. Uh, you know, if, so it's not just all hype. It's not all hype, and and here's here's the reality. And we, we we'll we'll have to come back and spend an entire podcast on this subject if you invite me back for sure. But you know, we're already using AI in the everyday world we live in. Mm. We just don't call it AI anymore. 
right? Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yep. Well, if you got an iPhone or you got a Samsung or whatever you got, right? Uh, there, there is I, there is AI built into that phone. That, that's what's AI, artificial intelligence, is what is allowing you to talk to Siri, and for Siri to understand the language that you're saying, turn that into into digital capabilities and make the phone do what you want it to do. If you send a text, if you ask it to open something, if you ask it to search on something. But we don't call that AI. I don't say, hey, AI. I say, hey, Siri. <laughs> I, I love what Tom Peter Coffey from uh, Salesforce says, Yeah, that when, when AI becomes something useful, we name it something different in order to sell it and in order to bring it to the, to the marketplace. So that happens with Siri. It happens with Alexa with uh that you know you have in your house um so that's the reality of that ai is not something to be afraid of but it is something that's going to make a difference in our world i i i love the concept that ai is not there to replace the employee is to make the employee more effective and more efficient at their job now that may mean there's fewer jobs in the call center right five ten years from now but that doesn't mean that, that your job is fewer. You're, you're going to be in the time frame of when the AI, when AI is coming into the contact center, if you're out there today listening. And, and what your goal should be is to learn as much as you can, to read as much as you can about it, so that when, when a new capability, a new functionality comes into your contact center, whether it's a new chatbot or whether it's a new way to look at knowledge or it's a new way to route calls, that that when you're in a meeting and someone talks about it, that you're like, yeah, I read this, step into that role, lean into that role. The, the, the same way, you know, I, I think about people in my, in my contact center past that have leaned into the new technology, the mm. person who stepped up and said, hey, I want to be the quality management manager. I want to be the quality person to run it quality for our contact center. Well, the reason why she said that was because we had just – put in a new quality management system. And at the time, we were still trying to explain what quality was, right? What is it, it going to do? Well, you know how voicemail records a phone call? Well, the <laughs> system is gonna, this, this system is going to record every phone call in our call center and allow us to listen to it. And I remember looking at people at the table and they were like, yeah, I don't believe you. <laughs> right. I, I, there's no system that can do that. But today it's just part of our now now we have part of our functionality, the ability to do that. Oh, and it's fact, and it's core. Yeah, you gotta well, have it's it. Core. Well, and in fact, so an example there. So AI is going to eventually replace some of that capability. Why is that? Because AI is gonna listen to all of the calls in the contact center. It it's gonna record them and then it's gonna listen to them. After it listens to them, we're going to teach it and say, here are the here are the kinds of things that we're concerned about agents saying or doing, or here's what we're looking for to to uh, reward agents for the right behavior. And AI, instead of it a person that's going to listen to those, the computer is going to listen to them, and AI is going to pull those out and say, hey, you know those hundred thousand interactions that you had in the last week? Let me give you seventy two of them that have positive responses. And let me give you 127 that have negative responses. And so now you're only going to listen to those. So that's the kind of changes that are coming. But it doesn't mean I, I don't believe that it's the demise of the contact center. 
I believe the contact center changes and we could get into a whole discussion about all of that data, right? All of that data. You literally own the customer in your in your, in your company. Imagine that you are the closest to the customer. So what you do every day is valuable to the company, whether they, whether they've seen it yet or whether they're in the transition to seeing it. That's the reason why we talk about customer experience. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, the data is now more valuable than, than oil. Um, that, that happened a, a few years ago. So I want to, I want to wrap up here and, and come back and delve deep. There's so many topics you've brought up that I want to go deeper on. So what I always like to leave, leave with, um, on guests, particularly those who have never been on the show is, you know, why do you do what you do? What, um, you know, what, what, what motivates you? What, what makes you tick? You know, you wake up in the morning and you, you keep, you keep at it. What, uh, what motivates you? I think, well, first of all, I, I, I love solving problems. Um, and so that happened a long time ago when I was an agent for the first time at Greyhound bus lines back in another lifetime ago. Uh, so I love solving problems. I, I also like that we work in an industry that no matter how technology affects it, it's still about people. Mm, yep. And so at, at the end of the day, my contact center is going to be successful or not successful based on the leadership that my that is being presented to the people. So my supervisors, their leadership with the 15 to 25, the director with his leadership to to take a group of eight or 10 or 12 or 100 supervisors and make them successful. The VP and his his or hers available ability to uh, to think strategically. So it really comes back to people. It comes back to people and leadership for me. It's what it's the re- I, I, I really have asked myself, why, why did you stay in this industry? And um, it's just it's about those people that you see improve, get better, get promoted, get improved, get get to the next level. Uh, and, and that's what it comes down to for me. Well, that is that is comforting for me in a number of different ways, because there there are people who are prognosticating that. um this business will will be without people, and uh, we all know instinctively that's not true. Well, I want to thank thank you so much, Bob, for coming on. Um, for our listeners, you know this is a conversation I intend to continue. So, you know, Bob, we would we would love to have you back on and and continue some of these conversations. And I want to thank you all for listening. We're we're gonna put Bob's uh, information on LinkedIn so that you can. You can reach out to him and connect with them directly. Um, um, yourself, he's active on on social media. He's a great follow. Thank you again, Bob, for coming on the show. And thanks uh, so much. Thank you so much. And um, we will talk to everyone in next week. All right. Have a great day. Thanks. And until next time, remember the experience is either random or intentionally curated. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Curated Experience with Amas Tanuma. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll join the conversation online by visiting us at curatedcx.com or at amastanuma.com. That's C-U-R-A-T-E-D-C-X.com or A-M-A-S-T-E-N-U-M-A-H.com. 
And please invite your friends and colleagues to visit our website or iTunes where they can check this and previous podcasts. This has been a Beyond LLC production. Check us next time for another edition of The Curated Experience.